Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word, every time we sit under it, has something profound for us to hear. And we do pray that as I expound upon your word today, that you may nourish our hearts. May you orient our spirits to exalt Christ as the king of the earth, but not any ordinary king, as the king who provides us with ultimate peace in him. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, what causes you to celebrate? What causes joy in your spirit? What causes you to get up each morning with excitement? Well, if you walk through your neighborhood or maybe your shopping center or maybe even shops and schools, you'll find that this is quite a joyful season. We are in Christmas season. And you, if you look, walk through your neighborhood, you'll be able to pierce into your neighbor's windows. Don't be a creep when you do it. But often at the windowsill, you'll see right there trees with lights lighting up the entire room because it's Christmas time. Other traditions that I've um, grown up knowing is because I've grown up in the church, I used to always love Christmas because all the elderly people in the congregation used to cook up what's called mince pies. And I used to enjoy that. That got me into the Christmas spirit. But right now on social media, and I have a lot of friends on social media, but right now on social media, I have been watching what people are doing. And there's this new craze called Elf on the Shelf. Well, it's not, an old, it's not a new craze. It's a renewed craze. And what they do every single day, post a picture of their elf on the shelf in different locations every single day and try to get people in the home to notice where the elf has appeared or if he's moved to get the idea that the elf is getting ready for Christmas. Elf on the shelf, mince pies, Christmas trees, all these things get us ready to celebrate what is known as the Advent season. And in the end of Leviticus today, we're actually hearing a message of peace on earth. It really is a bit of a Christmas message because the people of Israel are, are being encouraged every 50th year to celebrate the Lord's favor, to celebrate peace in the Commonwealth of Israel. And so the message title for today is Peace on Earth. And if you've been following along with these Leviticus talks, you have some context, but I'm going to give you some context today. And so the sons of Israel were redeemed from slavery to Pharaoh to become slaves. And you can look at in the text there, slaves of God, chapter 25, verse 55. And like Pharaoh, God owned their lands and their lives. But unlike the fear of Pharaoh, the fear of God built an economy shaped by freedom rather than tyranny. And so let me put it in another way. When Israelites, when the Hebrews were in Egypt, they were in slavery. And now in, as a redeemed people, God calls them his slaves. One redemption leads to peace, life. The other lifestyle in Egypt ended in tyranny and hardship. And so Israel experienced the hardship of being slaves in Egypt, but through their liberation, through God's mercy, they were made into slaves, slaves who would experience freedom. And this made Israel distinct from the other nations. But there was another thing that made them distinct. Israel was to be a land 
marked by jubilee. Have you guys heard that Bible word before? Jubilee. And this is where that freedom kind of um, climaxes in the book of Leviticus. And so what is jubilee? Well, in Leviticus 25, jubilee was a Sabbath law applied to every 50th year in Israel. It was a once a generation economic, environmental and social reset. It was a year-long Sabbath for the whole land. Leased property was reclaimed by its original clan owners. Hired workers were set free without cost. And so slaves were, in a sense, liberated to go back to their homes, to be made free people. The land was wrested from all labor. And you can kind of get this if you go out to maybe a property, such as Peter Campbell's house. Peter Campbell, is he in the room? No, he's over there at the back. Peter Campbell, he invited me to come to his house with Wendy and we were driving around the property and we went to a field and you said to me, Peter, this field here is being rested. And why were you resting it? Because something happens when you rest it. I wrote here, rest from grazing enables pastures to regrow and store energy reserves before the next grazing season. And so every seventh year, but especially on the 50th year, Israel had to set aside the entire land to rest. They had to obey God's word in this way if they were going to reap the benefits of being God's blessed people. In the year of Jubilee, everyone had to return to their own property without price. The land had to rest. If Israel did not obey this law, the commonwealth would become ruthless like Egypt. But if they feared God and obeyed him, they would encounter peace in the land. Peace for Israel is the great gift of obedience. Did you hear that? In Leviticus 26, God says, I will grant peace in the land and you will lie down and no one will make you afraid. Verse 6. If Israel obeyed the Sabbaths and had reverence for God, he would pour forth his good will on the nation. He would send rain in season and that would provide an overabundance of food. Wild beasts would be scattered. Military success would be stable. Israel would increase in number. God would remain faithful, dwelling with his people and walking beside them. Israel would live like the bars of slavery were broken. Even though they were slaves to God, they would be walking in freedom as children of God, as people of peace. And so we see in chapter 25 and chapter 26 of Leviticus, peace is offered to Israel through this great 50th year celebration called Jubilee. As everyone was freed, as the land was freed, as the people of God enjoyed an entire season of rest. Peace through rest. But peace with God was not guaranteed. Israel was a stiff-necked people, as you read the Bible, you'll see that, who were in danger of worshipping idols. The sons of Israel were to listen to their king. If they refused, God would intensify their judgments. And in fact, God presents five rounds of warning for disobedience in the back end 
of chapter 26 of Leviticus. In the first round of judgment, God would bring diseases, destroy their sight, sap their strength, weaken their crops, and allow them to be defeated by their enemies if they refuse to obey things like Jubilee. If they refuse to rest, they would experience all these horrors. But that's only the first round. As we continue to read through chapter 26, we see that there's another three rounds and God says that he will multiply their sufferings seven times over. He would break their pride and increase their toil. Wild beasts would literally come into the land and devour their livestock and even their children. They would be trapped in cities plagued and starved by their enemies, by the pagan nations that surrounded them. But worst of all is the fifth round, verses 27 to 33. If they continued to rebel, God would annihilate Israel. He would give them over to their sinful desires, like in Romans 1, to eat the flesh of their children. Their idols, high places, sanctuaries, cities and lands would be laid to waste Terrified of the sword, God would scatter Israel to a perish, to be perished, to, a, to be a perished people, sorry, among the nations around them. They would perish. What Israel was would be lost. In this time of desolation, God would finally bring peace to his abused land. The land would finally rest and enjoy its Sabbaths. Verse 34. But there was a missing element to this rest, wasn't there? God wants to be in relationship, not just with the land, but with a people. A people. God desired to share his rest with his elect. Even though, as he's sharing these laws through Moses to his people, even though he knows that they will rebel, God longs for them to enjoy jubilee, Sabbath, living in the presence of God. And here's where we see the amazing grace on display. Even though the sons of God would live in darkness, God held out hope. God said, I will not reject them or abhor them so as to destroy them completely, breaking my covenant with them, verse 44 of 26. If the exiles learnt to confess their sins... God would remember his promises. That is the grace of God. Five rounds of judgment, and yet God is still clinging through his covenant love to his rebellious, stiff-necked people. How profound is God's love? God desires, yearns to bless his elect children, his people, God is, as many have said throughout the past, God is the God of second chances. And I, randomly, one story came to mind from the Bible, the story of Manasseh in 2 Chronicles 33. Manasseh was by far the worst descendant of David. As a king, Manasseh abhorred the Lord. He desecrated his temple, destroyed every copy of the Hebrew scriptures that he could find, oppressed God's people, and actively promoted the wicked worship of pagan gods. From his cell on Babylon's death row, Manasseh looked up to God, the God of his fathers, and prayed for deliverance. Did God answer his prayer? Yes! After Manasseh's return to the Lord, 
God forgave him and he led a mighty revival in um, Israel. And so as we trace the story, Israel's broken story, the devastating story of brutal desolation, we see a God, a God of grace, constantly holding out hope to his rebels. By the grace of God, God would end this rebellious people, in a sense, by bringing a man who would fulfill the law and the promises of God. A new light was dawning to really bring all these rebels out of exile. I'm going to read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. It says this. The people walking in darkness were to see a great light. The light was an anointed one who would come to proclaim, if you move to Isaiah 61, Jubilee. This Jesus, sorry, this figure, this messianic figure, Jesus was coming to proclaim a message of the Lord's favour, hope for the world. The, the Bible story climaxes when Jesus comes. Jesus declares himself indeed to be the peace on earth, our peace on earth. In Luke 4, which is the gospel reading which we read earlier, Luke 4, 16 to 21, Jesus uses the words of Isaiah chapter 61 to announce the commencement of the new age of the Messiah. In other words, Jesus proclaims himself to be our jubilee peace. He came to deal with the deep underlining causes of all the troubles and struggles of society. He came to deal with, in a sense, our grinchy nature, all our sin, once and for all. Jesus offers peace to all. He is the friend of the poor in spirit. He is the physician of the diseased heart. He is the deliverer of every soul in bondage. Like the 50th year, the Lord, the Jubilee year, in the time of Israel that brought liberty to those in slavery, to, that brought liberty to the land, Jesus actually provides this to us spiritually. When we believe in him, we experience the Lord's favor. We experience freedom on earth. Jesus is the king of peace who offers us eternal peace. If we trust in him as our savior, we begin living in a spiritual year of jubilee, an eternal year of jubilee. We are set free from our bondage to sin our spiritual debt to the Lord is paid in full. You are now welcome to enjoy God's presence forever. You can now enjoy peace with God through Jesus. And so, instead of ashes of mourning, Jesus crowns us with everlasting life. Instead of being fading oaks and waterless gardens to pick up on an Isaiah theme, he turns us into watered gardens and righteous oaks the lord of jubilee resets our life with peace we are no longer slaves to unrighteousness jesus makes us now slaves to righteousness slaves that are given the gift of a life and peace because we are redeemed so i want to stop and just ask do you have this peace do you have this peace that comes from Jesus Christ that gives you a spirit of joy, celebration, jubilee? Do you have that peace yourself? Is Jesus your savior?
Has he paid your sin debt? Has he paid what you owe to God, freed you from all that bankruptcy so that you can now worship God and enjoy the Lord's favor? Do you experience the Lord's peace? If yes, if that's a resounding yes, full of a jubilee spirit, praise God. But I want to ask you another question. We can have this peace, but the spirit of jubilee is not just an individualistic thing. This was a corporate thing. This was for the whole nation of Israel. It is for the whole kingdom of God. In a sense, Jesus is offering peace to the entire world. And so the right question to ask if we've received this peace ourselves, does our neighbor have this peace? Does our next door neighbor who lives across the road or beside us, does that person who lives in that house, who's celebrating Christmas just like me, do they have peace? Not any ordinary peace, but peace from Jesus. Or maybe there's someone at your table this Christmas who'll be sitting there. Maybe they've lived far from God. Maybe there's someone who just needs a gentle conversation about the hope of Christmas, that Jesus is our jubilee peace. Or maybe you are in a workplace that is highly secular. And when you dig deeper, you realize that people are really not living for anything apart from getting that next material possession, which is really going to fade away soon. Does that person have peace? Because as you look at their life, they're saving each year just to buy that next holiday or next thing. And then it vanishes and then they live their whole year without peace. Does that person really have peace? Well, you're the messenger of Jubilee peace. We are called to reclaim it, not only receive it. And this Christmas, I pray that you'll be people who not only meditate upon this great gift of peace yourself, but be a person who is desperate to see this world enjoy and savor the peace that Christ Jesus offers us. This Christmas, remember Jesus is your jubilee peace. Enjoy the peace and be joyful. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are the God of grace, that you redeemed your people from slavery to be slaves of you, and that you desired them to enjoy all your blessings, including the blessings that came from Jubilee. We thank you that you reset the entire commonwealth, that you freed those in slavery, and that you provided rest to all its inhabitants. And we thank you that even though Israel rebelled against you and walked far, far away from you, Jesus, the light of the world, came to offer the Lord's favor to us as the ultimate fulfillment of Jubilee. We do pray that we trust in him and enjoy the joyful peace that he offers us through his death and resurrection. We pray this in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, friends, I invite you to stand with me for the apostles.